best way to sell wasn't by talking features, advantages, benefits, which so many salespeople want to do, especially in the IT field where they all want to talk speeds and feeds and model numbers. But it was really to talk about and understand the customer's pain points. What was driving their decision? Why were they even interested in this? And then once they understood the pain points, talking about if I could solve those, what would you do next? Welcome to Business Alchemy. I'm Beth with Valorous Circle. And I'm Jonathan with Whitebeard Strategies. In the last podcast, we talked about uh, how different you and I are, Jonathan, uh, the way we think through problems and how we approach situations. Um, today, I'd really like to focus on you and your style. For those of you who, who didn't watch our last podcast, Jonathan has a very unique and brilliant way approaching sales, approaching business that makes him a bit of a maverick and definitely very independent. So we talked a little bit in the last podcast, Jonathan, about your plethora of ideas and sorting out the good ones from the, the not so good ones. So today I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about you know, the way you think about things, the way you approach things and the impact they have. Uh, have had on your, really, your sales journey, your entrepreneurial journey. Oh, sure. I look forward to that. I hope you can help guide by uh, giving me some questions, because if not, I'm likely to go off on some uh, rabbit trail and uh, follow <laughs> some bright, shiny object that I find. Yeah, if you don't mind, uh, let's jump in. Absolutely. I know that I learned a lot about sales from you and your unique approach uh, and way of doing things. I'd like to talk, maybe start off a little bit about the concept of farmer versus a hunter, because I know those are two sales approaches. How would you classify yourself? Are you a farmer? Are you uh, a hunter? That's a good question. I think that I would definitely classify myself as a hunter. I see, I guess I should probably, by defining it, I, I see a, a farmer uh, I'm sorry, I see a hunter as someone who goes out and finds new opportunities, creates opportunities, basically goes out, kills that game, drags it back home for the family and keeps the, the family alive because they're a good hunter. The farmer, on the other hand, is a nurturer. They're somebody that takes the time to, to nurture the crops, to nurture the animals, to do things like that. And they provide that way. Both are, are perfectly fine. But I definitely see myself as a hunter. I'm much more excited by the chase, finding a new opportunity, creating new opportunities, things like that. That That's far more exciting for me than the alternative of, of the hunting. I can do it, but I'm not nearly as good at that as I am at hunting. I'd love for you to take a minute and just talk a little bit about your journey in sales and how your visionary approach has really shaped your career path. Good question. I need to take a look back and figure out when I decided sales was right for me. I had many moons ago when I was in college thought that I really wanted to get into being a financial advisor. I'd known a couple while I was in high school. I was really impressed with them as individuals and thought, hey, that at 18, that seemed like a really great job and something that I would enjoy. I'd done a little bit of investing as a young man and thought that would be a lot of fun. 
as I got into college, I quickly realized I didn't have the patience nor the time, nor probably the personality for that because it's a really constrained occupation. In other words, uh, everything has to be, especially nowadays, has to be run through compliance. And uh, that's just not really my style. Not that I want to do things wrong, but I'm definitely, as you mentioned, more of a maverick and, and want to have an idea and I want to run with it. I don't want to have to wait six months to get approval for the idea I had this morning. Through a, a series of events, I decided that sales would be a lot more fun. I started in sales and in my early career sold all kinds of different things, trying to figure out where where I fit in and if I was any good at this. And the answer was when I started, I sucked. I wasn't any good at it. In fact, I got fired from uh, my second sales job. My first sales job didn't work out, so I quit. And then I got another sales job and I got fired probably three to six months later. So tell me, how did you feel when you got fired? Was that surprising to you? I was shocked. I had no idea that I sucked as a salesperson. I thought I was great. Come on. I had a great self-image. I thought I was going to just rock this world. And yeah, when I got fired, I was like, you got to be kidding me. But it was really a turning point in my career because I realized, okay, you don't have your poop in a group and you've got to figure this thing out if you want to do it. And so I did and I, I really refocused. And then it was admittedly years later I had uh, moved into IT-related sales, selling computer systems and things like that, which I really enjoyed. And I was actually selling down at a, a, a client outside of the state with one of our vendors uh, at the time. And I noticed it was really interesting. Before we went into the meeting, uh, which was unusual, he pulled me aside and he says, all right. He goes, so this is my sales call. You're here. I want you to be here. This is great. But don't say anything unless I ask you to because I'm running the sales call. And I thought, well, that's interesting. He's an arrogant jerk to say that to me. I, I know what I'm doing. I'd been really successful at that point in IT sales, but he was right. It was his sales call. He'd invited me in. So I said, okay. And I thought I'll watch and learn. And it was really interesting as we walked through that meeting and it happened to actually be with UPS Air Group down in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And he walked through a presentation basically without ever talking about his product without ever talking about what he was going to deliver and got the chief information officer down there to agree to buy 50 of the Windows terminals that he was selling. He was uh, from a company called Wise Technologies to buy 50 of those terminals sight unseen with not a single promise about what they were going to do, what the specs were or anything else. And we walked out of that meeting to go have dinner. And I remember I, his name was Bob. And I said, Bob, how did you do that? You didn't talk about really your product at all. And he goes, no, it's called consultative selling. And I'm like, tell me more. And so he really shared with me at dinner that night that he had learned that the best way to sell wasn't by talking features, advantages, benefits, which so many salespeople want to do, especially in the IT field where they all want to talk speeds and feeds and model numbers. But it was really to talk about and understand the customer's pain points. What was driving their decision? Why were they even interested in this? And then once they understood the pain points, talking about if I could solve those, what would you do next? And that's really exactly what Bob did in this almost hour and a half, two hour meeting that we had at UPS Air Group. He asked them lots of questions. He heard what they had to say. And, and I remember very clearly he ended the meeting with, in order to, to do this, you'd probably want to do a test. And if I could arrange that, I'm not even sure, by the way, I can, but 
if I could arrange that, what would we do next? And the CIO said, I'll send you a purchase order. He hadn't talked price or anything. And I got to be friends with Bob. Bob was really helpful through the process. And he introduced me to his sales coach, who was a guy of Dan, lived out in California. And Dan taught me all about consultative selling and just opened my eyes to an entirely new way of communicating with prospects. And what was so cool about it is it wasn't high pressure, it wasn't pushy, and it was really all about being to really two things, treating the prospect with respect and two, meeting their needs. They taught me a very interesting concept of getting to know fast. In other words, not to know somebody, but getting to the, the answer no. In other words, as a sales rep, we're always trying to get prospects to say yes. And the one thing they taught me was your goal really is to get a no as quickly as you can, because every sales rep has a tendency to what I say, fall into the maybe, maybe hope, a hope, a someday, someday world, which is I want to keep talking to you, Beth, because you might do business with me down the road, even though you've told me no three times, or you've told me you want to think it over. And that's okay with me because that wasn't a no. And what Bob and Dan really taught me was the fact that I needed to focus on getting to know quickly. So I stopped wasting my time with prospects that were never going to buy from me. And I could do that very effectively and respectfully by understanding what pain points they were trying to move away from as a person, as a company, anything like that. And then figuring out would the product and services that I sold be a solution to help them move away from that pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was it really about this approach that really appealed to you? Being ADD, I didn't have to remember any tech specs anymore, and I didn't have to worry about pricing, and I didn't have to worry about all those things that were drilled into my head during sales training classes about, I don't know, whether it was the job I got fired from, which happened to be selling copiers, and how many pages per minute this copier can do, and how long the toner lasts, and all these tech specs that, candidly, I didn't care about. War and IT, everything had tech specs. Every router, every switch, every computing device, Everything had all kinds of technical specs. And the industry at the time, at least, really seemed to expect us as salespeople to know all of those tech specs. When in reality, if I move forward to today's analogy, all the business owners we were talking to really wanted was to know that their employees and they were able to connect to the wireless internet wherever they wanted to. And they didn't care about the router or the the switch or whatever it was called or the firewall. They didn't care. They just want to know, can you do this? How much is it going to cost? And when can it be done? And those are the things that made all the difference at that point in time. And I just found that really just freeing to me because now I got to focus on getting to know the people I was selling to, understanding what their issues were. And if I could, solving those through the products and services that I represented. I have to say, you just, there's a huge elephant in the room. And, and that is, you mentioned that you're ADD. Tell me about that. What is that? I know what that is, but perhaps our viewers don't know. And we definitely need to dive in how that has affected you, how that's affected your career as a visionary. Uh, so ADD, I have attention deficit disorder and I don't, I'm not self-diagnosed. I actually got diagnosed at 43 uh, as having ADD. And I remember at the time going, what is it and why do I care? But it was really interesting to understand that that was 11 years ago. 
it's really helped me understand how my brain works and how I think. And while some people like you may disagree on occasion, whether or not it's a superpower, I consider it my superpower because it allows me to focus in on the things that, let me say, at least the things I think that matter. And in the sales process, that's been really effective because I don't tend to get sidetracked by minutia. I don't tend to get sidetracked by things that don't matter. I'm really good. And my ADD helps me focus in on those key things that the customer wants to accomplish or avoid by moving away from pain in order to focus on that. So it's been great for me. And it also has been great because, again, I don't need to now focus on these details that I don't care about. I don't need to know what model number switch we're installing when I'm selling IT. It doesn't matter. The engineers will figure it out. Yes, I know I need to figure it out for a proposal, and there may be somebody on their IT team that wants to to verify that at some point in time, but it wasn't important for me to know in the sales process. I now got to focus on building rapport with the customers, understanding who they were, and really meeting their needs and providing value that ultimately led to more sales and more commissions and more success. I remember the day that you were diagnosed. I think I danced around the kitchen very excited to understand what I could name now what this behavior of yours was because of course I already knew that you were incredibly brilliant that you were a visionary that you had all of these ideas but you and I think so differently as we've mentioned you really overwhelmed me with your ideas and these thoughts and just even having a conversation sometimes you would rattle away at a thousand words per minute. And so this was really exciting to me to be able to learn more about you. And there is a predictability when you know that someone is ADD or ADHD in what their behavior is or how they may be looking at things. With you, you were in sales for so many years and a lot of being in, in sales you're really independent and you really can uh, set your own marching orders for the day and you're not necessarily clocking in and out. You've never want, been one to clock in and out. You pretty much just are on perpetually. But how did you see kind of your sales background morphing into a desire to have your own business? I think it came along with being, and I'm going to bring in another personality aspect, but that's if you're familiar with uh, the DISC profile, the D-I-S-C. I'm also what they call a high D. In other words, I'm considered by that to be a very dominant uh, person. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's just who I am. So when you combine those two together, the reality is is that I'd worked for a number of other companies while I was in my 20s and, and early 30s and realized that candidly, there were just things I disagreed with that they were doing. I didn't, they didn't make sense to me. I thought they were the wrong ways to do things. And with your encouragement, I remember literally coming home and complaining for probably the umpteenth time about things. And and you looked at me and said, Hey, if you've got a better way to do it, go do it. And so I remember deciding it was time to, to go do my own thing. And really ever since I found that entrepreneurship and being my own boss works well. It, it works well with me. I am dominant. So I, as you well know, I believe I'm always right. And if I don't believe, if I'm not, I'll change my opinion quickly to what I think is right. It's just who I am. I'm, I've got a lot of confidence in that area. 
other areas I may struggle with, but that's an area I've always excelled in. And I think my ADD is, has fit in there and that transition to entrepreneurship has been very natural. I know since I've become that and, and been on my own or been working in conjunction with you on different businesses, that we've both met a lot of other entrepreneurs that are ADD. It's a very common area to meet people that, that have those characteristics. Whether we're drawn to it because that's just what we're drawn to or whether we're drawn to it because we're good at it, I'm not sure I have the right answer. Um, but I do know that, again, when it comes to entrepreneurship and business ownership, a lot of people that are in that, not all of them by any means, but a lot of the people that are in those roles demonstrate a lot of those characteristics. Whether they've been diagnosed with ADD, I don't know. Um, it's like just the other day, I, uh, I was talking to a, a client of mine, and I don't know if this will show up, but they sent me this really cool cup talking about an entrepreneur's mind. And you can't see it, but it talks here about... What did I tell you about that? Ooh, squirrel. And there's marks going all over because that's how my brain works. We can be in the middle of a conversation, as you well know, and some bright, shiny object, which either went through my head or I saw or whatever, and boop, just like that, my attention's moved. I think I'm better at that than some people are about maintaining it. But I will readily admit one of the things I even struggled with in school is if I didn't care about the topic. I wasn't going to learn it. I wasn't going to spend the time on it. I didn't really care how I did in the class. It was irrelevant to me. I, If I loved the topic, then I could dig into it deep and become an expert at it and know more than anybody around me. But if I didn't care, how do I get through this class as quickly as possible? And unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, depends on one's perspective, that those traits have followed me into my adulthood as well. And it's how I treat most of life. Mm-hmm. And we could have a whole other podcast just on uh, the children with ADHD or ADD. And, and I have some strong feelings about the school system and, and that type of thing, how they treat those types of, of situations. But it, with you, you didn't find out until you were much, much older, obviously, that you even had ADD. But somehow you had already put basically processes in place to help you deal with that on a daily basis and be as productive as possible. Do you think that being in sales and being able to have your own businesses helped that? Were you able to do it and, and really manage uh, the ADD? And I, I say that it's negative. It's not negative, but it's definitely not mainstream. I don't think that the mainstream business environment really supports people who have attention deficit disorder or that hyperactivity. So how do you think that all fit together? I think ultimately it was just God's blessing that I got in the right jobs. The jobs I excelled in were ones where I could be the top salesperson and break the rules. And by rules, I don't mean doing things I shouldn't have done. There are things that were illegal, but I, I could I could ignore putting stuff in the CRM. I could ignore filling out the all my reports and all those things. By the way, things that I hate to do. I hate paperwork. In fact, as you know, we have a rule here in, in the office and you and I share a, a space in an office building. You know, don't ever give Jonathan an original document because he'll lose it. And that's true. And I was that way in my sales career as well. I, I didn't, you know, I, to this day, I do not want to take the time to enter 
information into the contact relation management software. It's mm-hmm. not something I want to do. I don't think it's beneath me. I just have no interest in it. I, when it comes to paperwork, I'm great at getting contracts signed, but I'm really bad at internal paperwork because it just seems to me that everybody should know everything that I know and I don't understand why they don't. I get it logically and I'm not trying to be an arrogant jerk when I say that, but that's how my mind works. And it's not that I think less of anybody. I just assume that if I know it, everybody would know it because it makes so much sense to me. And I've learned, and you've helped me with a lot of that over the last 20 years, learned that's just not the way things work. But I had to, to really recognize that and accept that before I was able to fix any of it. But back to your original question, I think the reason I was able to excel is I was, again, all the glory goes to God on that, but he placed me in positions where I could be really good at sales, uh, which is a skill that I have, and then not be held accountable for all the other things that I was supposed to do as a sales rep. I could basically, and I did, I hung my hat for many years on the fact that I'll be your number one sales rep. I'll bring in lots of new clients. I'll bring in revenue, but I don't want to do any of the other stuff. And again, wrong or indifferent, I was able to build my career that way until I left to be an entrepreneur. And then as you, the first couple of times I tried, I failed miserably because of the fact that I didn't have any of those other skills. I didn't want to do those things. In fact, we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast and I'm, maybe I'm getting ahead and if so, I apologize, but you don't give too much away because we want to talk about some of those. in the All future. right. All right. I won't go there. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting though, that you talk about some of the, just the idea that you promised these companies that you would be the best sales rep you could. And you were a phenomenal sales rep. You were the top sales rep. Do you think that they gave them a little bit more grace for you for the things that you didn't do well? And as I recall, you were actually even given at times like an administrative assistant to deal with that, those details that you weren't really interested in doing. I can honestly say, I don't think any of the companies were really happy with the fact that I meant what I said when I said, I'll be your number one sales rep, but I'm not doing paperwork. I think everybody took that as a, the bravado of a sales rep. And, and certainly there was some bravado there, but I was dead serious. And I started closing stuff and I would hand, you know, contracts and orders over to the owner. And most, cause I generally worked for smaller businesses where I was reporting directly to the owner and they'd be like, well, you got to do this. I'm like, no, no, our deal was I would sell and you get this taken care of. And I definitely, there were plenty of consternation amongst my bosses at that time about the fact that I was just, for lack of a better description, I was probably a jerk about it. I was in my 20s at the time, and I was er even more arrogant than I am now and and knew I knew right and probably didn't deliver things very, very well in the big picture. And I really hung my hat on the fact that I'm going to close more business and so deal with it. And again, glory to God, I got in the right positions where the bosses did deal with it and allowed me to be successful in what I did. Mm-hmm. And I just have to point out, you have definitely mellowed over the decades. The- I think I'm a little more mellow now than I was, yeah, back 20 some years ago. Yeah, definitely. Even, you know, when I met you, you were already 30 and uh, uh, you've changed uh, quite a bit since then. But um, 
we'll have to talk in the future more about just other general aspects of your personality because ADHD, ADD does not define you. It might be a part of you and it certainly affects your work product and how you work and how people need to communicate with you. But it doesn't define Jonathan Mass. That it's not like this is who you are. And so it's part of the reason that I, although it's helpful to have a diagnosis, it's also important not to put labels on people because there's so much more to an individual than just this one diagnosis. If I can, let me jump in. And, and, I, and I mean it when I said it earlier. In fact, I told somebody this morning, I really see ADD as my superpower. And the reason I do, and, and this, this probably caused more issues in my career than anything else, is my ADD gives me the ability to, and I don't, maybe it's ADD, I don't know. I think it's my ADD that gives me the ability to really narrow down to find a solution fast because, and I remember one of the coaches I had, he described my brain as not a flat surface where things landed and stayed, but as a sloped surface. And that when things got into my brain, they literally, if I didn't deal with them, they just fell away. Mm-hmm. And I remember really being bothered about that because I do have a problem as remembering things. And I do, there, there's, I have the best intentions of doing things. And then my phone rings and I totally forget about it. And a week or two or months go by and I never think of it again because my brain is that slant and things land on it. And it's, it's pretty steep slant. It, they fall off pretty quickly. But what that allows me to do, I believe, and why I think it's such a superpower, and if you're listening to this and you have ADD or ADHD, embrace some of the positives because I can get and narrow in on a solution and how to do something incredibly fast. I'm not trying to brag, but it's just one of those skills that I have. So if, if we're talking about a new product or a new service, or I use this a lot in IT and it got me a lot of grief from the engineering staff, I was able to understand conceptually how things worked. And remember, I said I didn't know speeds and feeds and model numbers. I didn't. I didn't care. But I was able to understand conceptually how things worked and sell solutions. And then the engineering team would be like, how are we going to do that? And I'd be like, I don't know the specifics, but we're going to do A, B, C, and D. Or oftentimes it was more like we're going to do A, E, J, and L. And they're like, but we don't do things that way. And I'm like, try it. It'll work. And miraculously enough, most of the time, it did. Mm-hmm. And that's why I consider my ADD to be a superpower. And Beth, you've seen that. I've driven you nuts multiple times because I've come up with an idea. And I'm like, this is so easy. This is not a problem. And I'm like, it's being, being. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but you're missing all these connectors. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those are the easy part. No, they're not easy for me. <laughs> but I'm able to see solutions. And I... I believe that's part of being ADD because, again, so much falls off so quickly that mm-hmm. I'm a- when I am able to focus on something, and I think you've called it hyper-focus, and I think some of my coaches have called it hyper-focus, I can hyper-focus on things and really distill things quite quickly when appropriate. Now, I'm not always right. I'll readily admit I make mistakes like everybody else, but I if you're listening to this and you've been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or one of your loved ones has it, embrace the parts of it that make that person unique because you can really excel with ADD in the right spots. It's If you're in the right seat on the bus, not just on the right bus, but in the right seat on the right bus, you're going to set the world on fire mm-hmm. or at least have fun trying. 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's important to uh, be supportive to people who have ADD or ADHD, just like you would be supportive to anyone, but realize that they don't necessarily have the same needs. And that one of the things to identify is, especially in a situation with maybe you're a partner with someone who is ADD, it's best if both partners don't have ADD, ADD or ADHD. One is enough, believe me. But the other person <laughs> can really then uh, support that person appropriately with what they need. And that's the key to any partnership, but I'm just speaking from my perspective and my experience being one type of personality and way of thinking and Jonathan being another personality or a, a way of thinking. And you can actually build your partnership and build your business supporting each of you by ensuring that you stay in your own lanes and that each of you have the right resources, that each of the right tools that each of you need. I think that's just really critical in, in being successful. And part of the reason that we've done businesses together, obviously beyond the fact that I have entrepreneurship in my blood and ancestry and you as well, but was that it was a great way for both of us to express our strengths. Now, there was a book out there that you read many years ago, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm hoping you'll remember but it was basically talking about the different parts. I think there were three different parts of a successful business or a, a successful leader. And one, you're the visionary, but you can't necessarily do the implementation. And then there was something else that you could do. There have been multiple books about this. But do you remember talking to me about that book and that you identified shockingly to yourself that, wow, I'm really good at this part but I can't do these. And so I need to surround myself, not with people who can do what I do, but with people who do the other things. Yeah, I do remember. I don't remember the name of the book. We'll have to look that up. But I remember very clearly reading that book and it, it was like smacking my head up against the wall. It was like all of a sudden this light bulb went on because up to that point in time, I'm trying to be everything that I thought a leader needed to be. And in my mind, that was not only the visionary, but it was the one who put the plans in place and the one who was able to direct the staff and execute and basically being able to do everything. And I realized in reading that book that I only had one of those characteristics, and that was that visionary. And I think I'm really good at that. Some people might disagree. I think I'm good at that. And you see me regularly get excited about a concept and run with it sometimes even before people are ready to commit to it. And I'm already five miles down the road thinking about how we're implementing it and selling it and, and what it's going to be branded like and what it's going to look like. And that's just how I think. And that's something I'm good at. But it was really a light bulb moment for me to realize that I didn't have to do the things that I stunk at mm -hmm. and that I could surround myself with people that excelled. And that's one of the reasons that you and I ended up doing some of the businesses together because I didn't have the ability to do the things that were needed. And I had some skills, but not others. And I think it's what it's allowed us as partners to do so well, because you complemented the things that I needed and hopefully vice versa. Absolutely. Vice versa. 
I remember early on in the, in the process with one of our businesses, you were trying to hire people to do what you did. And it's, I'm like, why are you doing that? You already are really good at this. Hire someone to do the things that you're not good at. And that was right around the time that, that you read that book and it just seemed to bring it home. And it Absolutely. is have just built things together and separately that have been far more successful because of that realization. And also because we knew then, okay, you're ADD and you've got these strengths, you've also got some of these weaknesses, we were able to identify them. And then really you can build a business around your own individual strengths and weaknesses. So for the people who are out there viewing, one of the things, if you're gonna be starting a business or you've already started a business, I highly recommend Know thyself. You get to know yes. who you are, what you can do, what your main mode of work management is, of work execution. In a future podcast, I want to talk about some specific tests that you can take that I use for my employees just so that we can learn to communicate better and support each other better. So uh, I think that's just really key. Whether you have ADD or not, know thyself. What kinds of things would you recommend, Jonathan, as we start to wrap this podcast up? What would you recommend for our viewers if they are ADD or if they're not? I, I think more than anything else, regardless, identify your strengths. Getting to know yourself is a really important part of being a business leader. Whether you want to be an owner, an entrepreneur, a key manager, if you want to be important to, to your job and to your family and deliver understand what you're good at get to know yourself it's critical because once you were right when years ago i was trying to hire people to do sales and the reason is i figured that was the only thing i could manage because i didn't know how to do operations i'd figure it out but i didn't know how to do that so i i couldn't hire somebody in operations because i wouldn't know if they were doing their job i didn't even know what what to look for but i i thought i knew what to look for in sales and, and i was taking the absolute wrong approach what I needed to do and finally did was find some experts in the areas that I wasn't and trust them. And I could then focus on the areas that I was good at. If you're even considering entrepreneurship or if you're there now or you're a business owner, get to know yourself and understand, be candid about your strengths and your weaknesses and embrace your strengths and play to them and surround yourself with people because not everybody's like you. And of course, I had to learn that as well. But surround yourself with people that have the skills that you don't so that you can provide better value to your customers and a better experience because your life, your income, your health, everything will be better when you do that. Thank you so much for talking today uh, about your experience and your journey and uh, just what you did uh, with your superpower, uh, because I think it's, it's a great testament. And it also, I want to bring lots of hope to people out there that if other people put you down because you don't think just the way they want you to think, and that maybe you have a special way of looking at situations, like Jonathan said, play to your strengths. And, and just remember that you've got talent, you've got skills. They're probably just different than other people's. Jonathan, you want to wrap up this podcast for us today? I'll be happy to. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to ask me the questions to go through this. As you can tell, it's one of the many things in life I'm passionate about. 
guys, if you've listened to us today, I want to just thank you for, for hanging out with us. I want to welcome your comments, your feedback, your suggestion. And I just want to encourage everybody out there that get to know who you are and embrace those skills. But as importantly, understand your weaknesses. We all have them and you can supplement them. So don't worry about being everything to everybody. You don't have to be. So with that, guys, make it a great day. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the other side. See you later.